This podcast is brought to you by the Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and by listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate Now to become a supporter. Hello, this is Alex DeCampi, creator of No Mercy from Image and Archie vs. Predator and Grindhouse from Dark Horse, and you are listening to the Two-Headed Nerd with Joe and Matt. Sort of, sort of break it, break it down like good. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat in Omaha, deep below the metro area and scaring Joe Patrick a little bit, it's my pleasure to welcome you to THN, episode 203, where we're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, April 1st. This is not a joke. My name is Matt Bomb. You can find me on the Twitter under the handle at Matt Bombstein. And when I'm not pitying April Fools like it's my damn job, I'm writing a comic speculator blog for WordPoint.com. And I'm Joe Patrick. That's at JoePatrick116 on the Twitter. And when I'm not desperately trying to get my money back after flying to Washington, D.C. to see Wonder Woman's invisible jet at the Smithsonian. I can't believe you fell for that. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> I'm the manager of Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. In this week's episode, you're going to hear our reviews of No Mercy, number one, and Ufology, number one. I think it's U-F-O-L-O-G. Ufology? Sure. All right. Yeah. After that, we'll review 10 more of this week's new comics faster than Governor Mike Pence can change his mind during the ludicrous speed round. Then, we'll visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where we're communing with the ghost of Paul Walker and discussing a couple of next week's comics. And finally... We're playing Ask a Nerd, where we will be answering a doozy of a question from one lucky listener. But before we put a hit out on Kirk Cameron to nip this Full House reboot in the bud. Uh, Kirk Cameron was on Growing Pains, Matt. I think we kill him anyway. Candace Cameron was on Full House. Let's just kill them both to be safe. <laughs> I was more of a small wonder man myself. Now, let's talk yeah. about this week's big news! I, I heard that about you. <laughs> hey. Hey. Wait a minute. Wilfredo Torres hasn't been in the industry for long. Great name, though. (laughs) But his work has already graced the pages of books like Batman 66, Lobster Johnson, Quantum and Woody, and The Shadow Year One. Torres' most high-profile project to date, Mark Miller's Jupiter's Legacy prequel, Jupiter's Circle, hits stands next week. Recently, Torres lost his wife to cancer, and the comics industry has rallied around him in support. Artist Brent Schoonover... That auto-corrected to Schooner. (laughs) Thank you very much, Apple Products. Posted the following on his blog on Wednesday. Quote, Recently, fellow comic artist and a good friend of mine, Wilfredo Torres, lost his lovely wife, Monica, after a long battle with cancer. A group of us got together in Emerald City this past weekend and decided we wanted to do something to help a great guy and his family during a difficult time. We invite anyone who is willing to post artwork onto eBay for a seven-day art auction and give all proceeds to the Torres family. Use the hashtag TorresBenefit on social media when posting your work. You can send all funds to wtorres1972 at yahoo.com, end quote. Torres's industry peers, including Chris Somney, Mitch Garrids, Phil Hester, Doc Shaner, Gabriel Hardman, and more, have started auctioning off original art pieces for the benefit, if you're interested in helping Wilfredo by buying one of these pieces or auctioning art of your own, search eBay, Twitter, and Facebook for the Torres Benefit hashtag. I searched like literal pound sign Torres Benefit on eBay and it works. It yep. totally brings up a bunch of stuff. It's true. And on Twitter, a lot of these guys were saying, hey, I'm not just doing that. Hit me up. Private commission. Yeah. Hit, use this hashtag. Hit me up. Private commission. Whatever you want. Tell me how much you want to pay. Go into this. We'll put the email address for direct donations in the show notes. The auction should still have several days left by the time you hear this. I'm sure if you don't get it done by this coming Wednesday, they're not going to turn anything away. Probably not. Be aware, though, not to say that there are people out there that are taking advantage, but we don't necessarily know all the people that might be using this Torres Benefit hashtag to sell stuff on eBay. So be mindful of it. Yeah, and obviously guys like Phil Hester and Doc Shaner aren't going to Yeah, if you see a name that you recognize from actual comic industry <laughs> yeah. work, then you're safe. You'll but be fine. There's a lot of stuff on there from guys I've never recognized, yeah. and God bless them for doing it, but just be wary when you're donating to anything. Yeah, it's a fantastic way to help a guy out. All his peers are helping him out, too, because, I mean, it's a small community. These guys all know each other, and it's so cool when you see stuff like this happen. This is the best thing about the internet. Even though the industry is spread all over the world and fans and creators are all over the place, 
Uh, it is a small community and the internet brings us together in a way that we couldn't do 15, 20 years ago. And I have looked at some of this art and there are some amazing pieces up yeah, for auctions. There's some great stuff. Uh, Doc Shaner is auctioning off his original cover art to the cover of Adventures of Superman number 15. I want it so bad. <laughs> I don't have 700 bucks. <laughs> Too bad. You po. Greg Rucka and Michael Lark's Lazarus is the latest comic project preparing to make the jump to television. In a report from Screen Scrush. <laughs> screen Crush, sorry. Screen Crush. Jacob Hall writes that producer Matt Tolmach and Legendary Television have acquired the rights to the series and Rucka himself will script the pilot episode. That is good news. Lazarus takes place in a future where governments have collapsed and the entire world is ruled by 16 wealthy families. People are either employed by one of the families or they are, quote, waste, who have no rights and no place in the new world order. The series focuses on the Carlisle family who rule over their western half of what was once the United States and their genetically modified enforcer forever as the family Lazarus. It's her job to keep the Carlisle safe, doing all the family's dirty work. No network is attached to the project yet, but it's a safe bet that this will land on cable. Joe, Rucka is no stranger to Hollywood. Queen of Country has been in development for years. So many years that I don't think it's ever going to happen. <laughs> and the less said about the film adaptation of Whiteout, the better. Not his fault. You think Lazarus has got what it takes to resonate with the TV audience? Yes, I do. Uh, this Screen Crush article made an analogy that I think is pretty dead on. They said it's Hunger Games meet game of thrones and really that's pretty close to accurate i hadn't thought of it like that but yes i think this is more divergent meets insurgent <laughs> <laughs> i think it's nobody cares about divergence right no one cares about it uh i love lazarus i do too i think it's exciting that it's coming to tv and that ruck is involved I also think always a good sign a show like this can succeed because while it is sci-fi, it's near future sci-fi, and there isn't oh, like a bunch of spaceships and stuff. There's, I can't I mean, imagine you'd need, yeah, hardly any special. I mean, effects. really, you can just clean up some area in the desert with some houses and make it where they live or yeah. whatever. And this should work really well. I'm excited. I hope it works out. Finally, April Fool's Day hit on New Comic Book Day this week. I told Joe I was pregnant, <laughs> and for the most part, the comics industry played it pretty straight. However, Dark Horse Comics announced an unusual and delusionally optimistic promotion to support the return of Barb Wire, and no one seems to be able to determine if it's a prank or if it's real. To celebrate the return of the character made infamous by Pamela Anderson in the 90s, Dark Horse is offering an ultra-rare Adam Hughes variant to the first issue of the new series to any retailer willing to strip and mail in 20 covers from Marvel's Star Wars number one. As we're sure you recall, Dark Horse published Star Wars comics for two decades before losing the rights when Disney bought Lucasfilm. Marvel relaunched Star Wars in January and the first issue sold over a million copies. But considering that Marvel is about to release a fifth printing of the issue, it seems unlikely that retailers have a bunch of unsold copies gathering dust. Dark Horse declined to comment when comic news sites reached out to verify the authenticity of the promotion. In the same press release, though, Dark Horse also announced a promotion for their new King Tiger series. I loved King Tiger. In which the publisher promised to award one lucky fan with a full-grown Bengal tiger. That's something we could use around here. <laughs> I wish we had one. I mean, really. While this was obviously a joke, there seems to be enough doubt lingering among retailers and the media about this barbed wire thing that it might just be legit. Matt, what retailer in their right mind would sacrifice copies of Star Wars for this? And is the world ready for the return of barbed wire? I don't know, and I don't know. I mean, there has to be copies of Star Wars sitting around. Number one isn't going for squat. Yeah, I mean, they printed a million of them, so it's not going to be hard to it's find. It's true, but I, don't I, think I guarantee you covers. they are not laying around in comic shops, no. unless that comic shop ordered an irresponsible amount. Which, if they want to get some of these variants, they had to. No one cares about barbed wire. They're, I defy anyone who listens to this show to call me and defend a barbed wire. Get on our defenders section in the two-headed nerd forums. Defend barbed wire. Also, to be fair, that's who she was. And what are they going to do with her? Are going to is it going to be updated? But she, if be... she's like a tough bounty hunter, uh, like a, a, a what I'm saying, a is... solo female-led book where she's like a tough bounty hunter. Right. That's 
I can see an audience for that. I'm just saying it needs to be updated from the 90s. Maybe, but what do you really know about barbed wire? I mean, I didn't read much of it. I Did you read any barbed wire? Yeah. Did, did you watch the movie? Uh, I did watch the movie. Uh-huh. It was horrible. Sure. <laughs> it was beyond horrible. In fact, there's a really good How Did This Get Made episode with the <laughs> barbed wire. So this new series kicks off in July. It's written by Chris Warner and Patrick Olaf is doing the art. Patrick Olaf is a guy who I haven't seen around in uh, quite some time. He was uh, a 90s guy, right? He did Untold Tales of Spider-Man for Kurt, Kurt Busiek, and he also did a, a bunch of issues of Spider-Girl. Okay. Uh, and then Adam Hughes covers. It's just, it's weird that this is something Dark Horse is reviving. Yeah. And I'm wondering if they announced this promotion on April Fool's Day so that they had kind of like a way to back out of it. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Because I can't see anybody scrambling for the return of barbed wire. I'd rather have a Bengal tiger. Not to mention the fact that Dark Horse has unsuccessfully tried to relaunch their superhero line like 19 times. <laughs> That's true. That <laughs> so, is true. I don't know what's going on here. That is the big news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories or anything you think we missed, hit us up on the THN forums where Joe and I have been studying the Pamela Anderson Tommy Lee home videos and discussing whether or not she's still got what it takes to defend Steel Harbor. I had to go with Kazaa to find those videos. Remember that? <laughs> oh, Kazaa. <laughs> yep. Every Sunday, the massively hung Joe Patrick posts the question it's, Whoa! Of the week. You're like, no! Yeah, you're like Tommy Lee, man. In the THN forums, this Joe! This is not something we talk about on the podcast. What are we asking the listeners this week? I sincerely apologize. Hey, you were born with a gift, Joe Patrick, okay? It's like you want people to stop listening to the show. Oh, this is why they listen. No, it's not. I love it. This week's question, of all the characters... And comic series that have been resurrected over the years, which one do you wish would have stayed gone? Barb Wire. <laughs> the end. Show canceled. You have until 5 p.m. this coming Friday, April 10th. To get us your answer, you can call and leave a message with the answer using Skype. The Skype panel is 2 at a nerd, all one word, or at the Ziggurat hotline, 402-819-4894. Or you can send an MP3 to 2 at a nerd at gmail.com, but whatever you do, Keep it under two minutes. You'll get cut off. We ain't lying. If you need more time than that, feel free to write your full answer in the question of the week section of the THN web forums. It is review time. THN, where Joe and I pretend that someone out there actually cares about what we have to say about two of this week's new comics. Joe Patrick, we're not talking to anybody on this part of the show, so why don't you just Tell the Ether what you thought of No Mercy. No Mercy, number one, from Image Comics, written by Alex DeCampi, with art by Carla Speed McNeil, and colors by Jen Manley Lee. 32 pages, $2.99. Here's the solicit. It was just a trip before college. Build schools in a Central American village. Get to know some of the other freshmen. But after tragedy strikes, a handful of once-privileged U.S. teens must find their way home in a cruel landscape that at best doesn't like them, and at worst, actively wants to kill them. I'd rather be killed than not liked. <laughs> that could be arranged. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> I've been pretty curious about this series ever since it was announced at one of the Image Expos. I liked Alex DeCampi's Grindhouse, and Carlos Speed McNeil is a creator whose work I've always wanted to check out. I have to admit, though, I had a pretty tough time getting invested in No Mercy. At least at first. DeCampi's story opens with all of the chaos that comes with herding a bunch of teenagers on an international field trip. The opening serves to give us a taste of each member of the principal cast's personality, but it's so hard to suppress the urge to reach into the comic and strangle every one of them. <laughs> the teen characters are so insufferably terrible, narcissistic, annoyingly enthusiastic, dispassionate, bitchy, ignorant, and every other obnoxious personality trait that teenagers possess. More obsessed with emojis, Instagram filters, and looking good on a college application than real life. But then, when the plot really kicked into high gear, I realized that putting these terrible children through hell and seeing how, and if, they come out the other side is exactly the point of the story. Most of these kids are just not equipped to deal with what's happened to them, and I'm really excited to see what happens next. There are some other compelling mysteries that I'm sure will play a part, like the shady criminal connections of Sister Inez's creepy uncle. 
and the other bus carrying an unknown passenger and their armed guards. Carla Speed McNeil's art is really wonderful. I've never really read anything she's done, but I can absolutely understand why she gets such respect in the industry. Jen Manley Lee provides great muted colors that have an almost painted watercolor appearance. But the real star for me was the letterer, who incorporates so many hashtags, emoticons, and sound effects directly into the art. I'm not sure if McNeil lettered her own art or not, but the letterer is uncredited. I want shout out to that person. I thought it was great. Yeah, I don't know. I, I assume if they're uncredited, then it probably was. McNeil, it was either McNeil right? or I know that there are also some comic writers letter their own books, so huh. maybe Alex Campy did it. After a rocky start, I really came to appreciate what the creators were trying to do in No Mercy Number 1. I'm really excited to read more, and I I recognize the fact that it was my own baggage, my own get-off-my-lawn old manitude that had a hard time dealing with those first 10 pages. Joe Patrick even admitted it to, to, Alex, DeCamp to Alex DeCampi on, over Skype, and I was a little shocked. <laughs> but she was right there with me. She yeah, was yeah. like, oh, I get it. I'm giving this a huge buy it. I really ended up loving it at the end. I really liked it too. I was sort of in the same boat as you. I was like, oh God, I can't read this if it's going to continue this way. But it's also one of those stories that strikes me as someone showing you how these people are. And now we're going to torture them. Right. <laughs> well, it's not even and that. It made me wonder if DeCampi was a teacher or something in her other <laughs> life. And she's just like, all right, you little <laughs> it's like, I can't kill you in reality. <laughs> she said, while well, we briefly spoke this morning, that um, as their smartphones and stuff start to give out on them, because they are in the jungle with no service. Right. It's sort of their last connection to the world as they know uh, We're going to see a lot of that, that initial stuff fade away, and we're really going to see what makes them tick. And it is a good device. It wasn't as annoying as, like, when it was happening in uh, Batgirl, we were kind of annoyed with it. But here it works very well and it's very genuine yeah it's certainly these characters are i can't i can't say that i can relate uh necessarily but i can totally see they're definitely well realized. connections to young kids that i yeah. know in real life they're definitely well realized the fact that i hated them as much as i did means that they're absolutely convincing teenagers <laughs> i that's a yeah that's a pretty that's pretty high praise I think. i'm giving them a buy it i'm giving this a buy it as well Map bomb, what are you reading this week? This week, I read UFOlogy, or UFOlogy, from Boom, written by James Tynan IV and Noah J. Yunkel, with art by Matt Fox, 32 pages, $3.99, what a deal. I have been a fan of Tynan, who I'll be referring to as the fourth for the rest of this review, since I first met him working with Scott Snyder at DC. I'm not familiar with Yunkel's work at Thrillbent, where he was writing The House in the Wall, but after reading this... I'm going to check it out. The fourth and Yunkel set up a story of two Midwestern teens living in the fictional town of McCaugie, Wisconsin. Doesn't exist. A sleepy little town where not much happens, except for the occasional strange lights in the sky. Ooh. I was taken aback by this comic. I came into it expecting an interesting sci-fi read in the spirit of the fourth, the woods. <laughs> also from Boom. Like the woods, I got very good dialogue and a solid mystery, but something was different here. I enjoyed the woods, but I wouldn't call it amazing. Here, Tiny and Yunkel paint a very believable portrait of growing up in the Midwest with realized characters that need no introduction. Some aren't even named, but I was instantly familiar with all of them. This read like a Steven Spielberg script for E.T. or Close Encounters of the Third Kind. The story felt like it was inhabited by real people and moved at the ridiculous pace of real life. For the most part, the story follows Finch, the son of a terminal nerd that hosts an internet radio show about UFOs. Finch is a weirdo at a local high school, and like his father, wants to believe, but also wants to fit in. The other character is Becky. She's smart, well-liked, intelligent, but also misunderstood and seems to wear a permanent scowl. Both are masterfully written and genuinely love their single parents, both of which have their own quirks that also made them instantly genuine and real. Becky takes time out of her busy school schedule to investigate an abandoned house with a guy that wants the experience to be a date more than anything. Upon investigating, they discover an older man speaking an alien language surrounded by glowing spores. And after he touches Becky, she seems to absorb some type of alien energy. And the whole light show attracts Finch, who, instead of being shocked by what he's seeing, 
is not only prepared by his father's fantasy world, but jealous of what's just happened to Becky. It's not often I pick up a sci-fi comic and find it to be heartwarming, but that's exactly what happened here. Tyson and Yunkel write a perfectly authentic story, and artist Matt Fox is nothing short of masterful, drawing what could have otherwise been really everyday boring scenery. There's one panel specifically where we see Finch in his room going to help his father, like, stargaze for the show or whatever, and the whole panel, it's one page, and it's broken up so the house wall is removed, and you can see where the father is broadcasting and upstairs where Finch is sitting and where he's going to go onto the roof. It's just a fantastic panel. That was my favorite scene where it, it really kind of like cool family circused him through the house as uh, he's trying to do his own thing in his room. And then his dad calls from his like time to get on the watch. Yeah. Finch. It was just <laughs> great. I couldn't be more excited for the direction of this comic. And I find myself more impressed with these new boom offerings every week. I'm giving this a huge buy it. Yeah, I'm giving it a buy it too. I really enjoyed it. And this wasn't really on my radar. And until you mentioned it last week, I didn't even know it was a thing. Uh, but I love James Tenney in the fourth. I don't know anyone else involved, but I I do now. They're on my radar. Yeah, Fox is going to be someone to watch. That guy's really talented. And yeah, the art was really great. And uh, like you said, that, that scene with the cutaway of the house, that was my favorite part of the was, book. Yeah, it was just cool. Yep. It's also, it shouldn't go without mention that this perfectly contrasts two different types of teenagers that we read about. Oh, that's true. We like, didn't even plan that. We read about this quiet, sort of demure, Midwestern teenager, and then these loudmouth, asshole, rich kid teenagers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Both very well executed. Absolutely. It was a good it was a good week for teen books. I guess. So that is a double buy it for No Mercy number one and a double buy it for UFOlogy number one. As always, UFO Loggy. <laughs> we want to know what you traveling do gooders and alien touched teens thought of these comics. So hit us with your close encounters and comic reviews over the THN forums, which you can find by clicking the forum button at twoheadednerd.com. Just as Indiana Governor Mike Pence was getting ready to sign a completely ridiculous and bigoted bill that would allow the stupidly religious to discriminate against gays, Matt and I opened the THN Black Vault. That's where we keep all our uh, really nasty stuff. Yeah, made a quick call to our out and proud Canadian buddy North Star. Being gay in Canada is not only popular, it's a national pastime. The entire Toronto Blue Jays. Gay. Did you know that? I, I didn't. The whole team. I don't know if that's true. I, I, that's just what I heard. <laughs> and had him hand deliver copies of some incriminating photographs taken during Carnival in Rio. Let me tell you, the governor was perfectly aware those scantily clad ladies in the parade were more than meets the eye, if you know what we mean. <laughs> the moral of the story is this. Gay people exist. Deal with it, Indiana. Now that's over with, we can review 10 more of this week's new comics during the Ludicrous Speed Round. Ludicrous Speed! Go! Space Riders, number one from Black Mask. I might have a new favorite artist, and his name is Alexis Zerit, and he is a dude. Here, Zerit is drawing the adventures of one-eyed space badass Captain Peligro. That's Spanish for, pardon me, that's Mexican for danger. As he pilots his skull-shaped ship. Wait a minute, did you correct <laughs> yourself from Spanish to Mexican? <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> the Santa Muerte through a psychedelic universe that looks like a vision from a Jack Kirby fever dream. Fans of Tom Scioli and Paul Pope need to pick this up. Fabian Wrangle Jr. provides the hyper-macho dialogue and story that finds a galactic police force reaching out to the only man that can save the universe. That SOB, Captain Peligro! Buy it! It was so fun! Oh, it was awesome. Convergence! Number zero from DC. Convergence! Kicks off with this extra-length story from Dan Jurgens, Jeff King, and Ethan Van Skyver. Except, not really. Ha ha. This is all set up, a prelude set just after the events of Superman Doomed, where Brainiac, or his Herald, or an extension of him, <laughs> I'm not really sure, <laughs> explains the entire premise of Convergence to Superman and fans, so they don't have to waste time doing it in the miniseries proper. Honestly, 
You could probably skip this and be fine rolling into the event with number one next week. This was kind of confusing and a little boring. I quit in the middle. It's mm -hmm. done. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the best selling point for conversions itself, but there is some background info that might interest some readers and the usual solid art from Van Skyver. I'm giving it a skim it. Puppet Master number one from Danger Zone. America's favorite possessed and murderous puppets return in a completely generic story of a group of young adults, complete with a nympho, macho jerk, funny guy who knows the entire history of the Puppet Master, and sweet, innocent girl who decide to spend the weekend at the Puppet Master's now decrepit and abandoned mansion. I'll stop here while you guess what happens next. That's right, the puppets killed him for sh and giggles. But man, you don't go into a comic like this looking for a Harvey Award contender. Quiet, you. True. But this could have at least been fun or even pleasant to look at. This is bad art. A story that popped right out of the bad full moon movies that started the film franchise in the 80s, which may be what they were going for, but it just didn't work at all. Leave it. Rick and Morty, number one from Oni. You never really know what you're going to get with comic adaptations of TV and movies, and I'm a big fan of the Adult Swim show, so I was a bit skeptical of Oni's new series. I thought Boom had that corner. I shouldn't have been. This book is hilarious, and the art is a spot-on representation of the animation style. Zach Gorman and CJ Cannon do a great job here. You don't need to be familiar with the show to enjoy this comic. Buy it. I still have it. For serious. I've got to do it. Like, this comic, I laughed out loud almost through the entire thing, which has not happened to me in quite a while. Nice use of for serious. I like that. For serious. <laughs> Uncanny Inhumans, number zero from Marvel. Writer Charles Soule has been tasked with cramming the Inhumans down our throats, and this time, he's adding Uncanny to the title to see if you accidentally pick it up while thinking it was your monthly X-book. Like when your aunt buys you a copy of Transmorphers out of the $5 DVD bin at Walmart because she knows you like Transformers when you were 10. Steve McNiven is on art here, and it's predictably stunning to look at. He might draw my favorite Kang ever, but the story was just fine. I know the Inhumans have had a rough go of it as of late, but that's always been their story. This doesn't feel like a fresh start or a bold new direction the Inhuman gang needs to become A-listers, or even X-listers, if you know what I mean. Skip it. Did they replace the X-Men? They're not, though. I know, but I love just saying it over <laughs> oh, and over again to scare people. <laughs> We're like, uh, you know, AM pundits here trying to terrify like, the listeners of the show. <laughs> Death panels! Acorn! <laughs> Canon, The Last Padawan! Number one from Marvel! <laughs> we all knew Marvel was going to get around to adapting material from the Star Wars Rebels cartoon eventually, Grown. so I wasn't really that interested in this fourth installment in the Star Wars line. I was really pleasantly surprised, though. This features the lost history of Kanan as a young Padawan fighting to survive Order 66. Awesome work by Greg Wiseman and the amazing Pepe Larraz. We just talked about him last week. Yeah, he's so good. Don't worry if you've never seen or don't like the cartoon. This is another great addition to Marvel's Star Wars relaunch. Buy it. Okay. I'm surprised. I watched the first few episodes of the cartoon. Meh. Not for me. But this comic was really good. I wanted to drown Ashoka in the toilet. I don't know who that is. Was the little female Padawan character. That's that... Clone Wars. Oh, you're right. That was Clone Wars. Yeah, that's a different cartoon. Yeah, right. The Witcher. Fox Children. Number one from Dark Horse. Paul Tobin, who also goes by the name Root Nibbit, according to comicbookdatabase.com, okay. returns to the fantasy world of The Witcher that spun out of the somewhat well-reviewed and hard-to-play video game of the same name. If... Like me, you haven't played the game, you'll still get the gist of the story, although there's really no setup at all. The story opens with Geralt, the Witcher, camping in the woods with a scantily clad dwarf. So, if you have played the game, you might wonder when this is taking place. Regardless, Joe Quiro's impressive art was enough to keep me reading, but man, does Tobin like to make his characters talk. That is that is the source material, though. Ooh, <laughs> this is a wordy business. Giving it a skim it. Avengers Ultron Forever, number one. From Marvel. Ultron Forever is a classic slam-bang time travel story in the vein of the other Forever series from years past. Really fun stuff from Al Ewing and the legendary Alan Davis, who some people like and some people are idiots. I don't 
dislike him. If you're in the mood for a great old school superhero story, <laughs> they don't make them like this anymore. This is an absolute buy it. I just feel like I've seen everything he's drawn. That's all I'm saying. How does that not apply to every comic book artist that's been in the industry for more than five years? Everyone else doesn't look like they just woke up from a coma in 1985. Wrong! <laughs> Aquila, number one, from 2000 AD. This is another in 2000 AD's line of American format comics. So Rebellion is the publisher. Probably, uh, well, right? 2000 AD Rebellion, yeah. yeah. Whatever the slash. And it tells the story of Aquila, an African slave trained to kill in the gladiatorial camps of ancient Rome. Aquila was crucified after the Spartacus slave revolt and left for dead, but instead... He was saved by the god Amit, the Devourer, who gave him super strength, a naturally long life, and some other powers. But he has to repay the god and the souls of evil men. This reprints the 2000 AD stories written by Gordon Rennie with incredible art by Lee Gallagher. This is badass historical fiction in the vein of Ghost Rider in ancient Rome. I'm saying buy it. Does Aquila make it to the spelling bee on time? Oh, Aquila and the bee. Hmm. This is a slightly more murderous version of that little black girl. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Poet Anderson, the Dreamwalker, number one from Magnetic Press. I don't know what that is. If I had a list of sentences that I would be the least likely to type and read, the comic book prequel to the award-winning animated short film from the imagination of Tom DeLonge of Blink-182 <laughs> would probably be at the top. I have to be honest, this isn't nearly as bad as you'd expect. It's a decent sci-fi fantasy story about a secret world that exists within dreams and the people that inhabit it. It's got an undeniable hint of precious artist pretension to it, but the art by Jet Stefania is really great. D-J-E-T is that person's first name. I'm not even going to try. D-Jet. D-Jet. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a great rapper. Right. I mean, it's very precious, but it's not bad. I'm giving it a skim it. Okay. That is your ludicrous speed round and whack is the sound of Captain Peligro pistol whipping some wannabe Chewbacca looking mother as seen in the pages of Space Riders number one. Be sure to pistol whip us with your reviews of this week's new comics over at the THN forums. This week, in the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, we're holding a spectral premiere party for the latest installment of the Fast and Furious movies, Furious 7, at 81% fresh. I can't wait. I can't wait to watch it. (laughs) As I'm sure you all remember, the film star was a little too fast and too furious for this world and was killed in a car accident in 2013. Too soon. But today... He had a daughter. With a little help from the THN Ouija board and its pilot, Dead Man, we're joined by Walker's spirit form for a personal viewing of what looks to be some of Ludacris's best film work yet. Joe. <laughs> did autocorrect correct it to Luda, C-H-R-I-S, or did you just spell it that way? That's how he spells his name. It's Ludacris, C-R-I-S, Ludacris. Oh, I thought it was C-H-R-I-S. <laughs> uh, that's why, because his name is Chris. I get it, yeah. <laughs> okay. Joe, while Boston tries to figure out the THN Universal Remote of Agamotto, why don't we discuss what we're excited to read next week? It's harder to work with than you would think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and programming that thing was a bitch. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> the instructions are in, like, some ancient Sumerian yeah, dialect. It's just ridiculous. Next week, my pick is Convergence. I can't believe you are slinging this garbage. Speed Force number one. <laughs> Come on. From DC Comics. Written by Tony Bedard with art by Tom Grummet and Sean Parsons. It's Wally. It's Wally West. I, you know what? I don't particularly care for any of those creators. How can I not? <laughs> I well, Tony Bedard, I, I remember liking. Uh, on it, what? It's been a while since I've read anything he's yeah, done. but He just never did anything. And I've always been a fan of Tom Grummet. I don't like Anyway, him. here's your solicit. Such as it is. I'm sure they're very nice people. Starring heroes from the pre-Flashpoint DCU. It's like they're talking directly at the people that hate the New 52. Yeah. The fastest family alive loses its powers as Wally West and his kids. Can't you just stop there and go, never mind, I was wrong. uncertain (laughs) future while trapped away from home. Will they be able to outrun the chaos that follows the arrival of Flashpoint Wonder Woman? Plus, don't miss the most unexpected Zoo Crew character of all. 
I don't care what it's about. You get it? I like. I couldn't make through the solicit without making a joke. I don't give a. <laughs> sh Wally West is coming back, and I have to read it. I have to God, read it. You're like an abused spouse. And I'm desperate for it to be good. <laughs> like DC wouldn't hit you if you didn't act like this. You realize that, right? <laughs> Would you please tell me something good? <laughs> What are you picking? My pick for next week is Rebels, number one, written by Brian Wood, with art by Andrea Moody. Here's your solicit. In a rush of great public resistance to an oppressive and excessive government, a homegrown militia movement is formed in rural America. This is not 2015, but 1775. With the War for Independence playing out across the colonies, young Seth and Mercy Abbott, that is a great name, find their new marriage tested at every turn as the demands of the front lines and the home front collide. Brian Wood is so good at putting himself in any time period in the past and writing a fantastic and easily accessible story. We both loved his Northlanders. I'm super excited for this. I never read Northlanders. You didn't? No. I made you read something we reviewed, didn't I? Uh-uh. I don't know. Shit. I read number one. Northlanders is so good. I will tell you this. Go buy the Northlanders hardcovers. Andrea Everyone. Moody, this book looks... Amazing. Moody's fantastic. Worked on Batwoman, worked on Marvel Zombies. Very, very talented artist. Yeah. I'm looking forward to this one. The THN Trade of the Week goes to Copra, round two, trade paperback from Bergen Street Press, written and illustrated by Mikey Fife. Michelle <laughs> Mike Fife FIFA. Here's your solicit Genocide ain't a pretty thing to see. But there's no time to mourn when your face is at the edge of the gun. It's really a matter of opinion. Scared, <laughs> desperate, and alone, Copra's gonna clear their name in a brutal reckoning with the forces that screwed them over and sold them out. Will hate be enough? This is it! Copra Round 2, the second volume of Michelle Fiva's unmatched juggernaut of self-published violence. It's the best. You should all be reading it. I'm excited. And as I always say, why is he not writing Suicide Squad? <sighs> ah! His DC! His, his day will come. That's how I feel about DC when I have that thought. This is exactly how I feel. Ah! Like Kathy. <laughs> yeah. Like Kathy from yeah, the comic exactly. strip. Yeah. <laughs> Be sure to head over to the DHN forums where I'm shocked we don't have a favorite Paul Walker film forum yet. And tell us what you are excited to read next week. You were an Into the Blue man, weren't you? No, no, no. I've loved him ever since She's All That. <laughs> I will admit that Eight Below, seriously, ripped it out of me. Tore my guts out when they left those dogs down in Antarctica. Oh! Oh! Casey couldn't even watch it. It's time again to make the monthly walk out to the THN mailbox and sort through all the credit card offers to find a question from one lucky listener. That's right. It's time to play Ask a Nerd. This time, our buddy Coloring Book, a.k.a. Brian DuPont, Not Brian DuPont, creator of Pecos Bill. That's right. He asks from the THN forums way back February 13th of 2014. We just found this one and we really like it. Buddy and I were talking about how heroes go through changes, like Beast, for example. We talked about anything from costume changes, being the least significant, to retcons and the most drastic power-slash-appearance changes, like the Beast or Mrs.-slash-Captain Marvel. So, Miss-slash-Captain Marvel. Mrs.-slash-Captain Marvel. <laughs> Miss-slash-Captain Marvel. So, who is one of the most stable heroes? Someone who has either gone through no changes or the least amount of changes. Joe Patrick. Keeper of history at the Ziggurat and Matt Baum, mystic of research. I implore you to explore this question. This is a tough one. This is really hard because I was like Matt and I were just talking about these publishers get around to everybody eventually. Sooner or later. Even the thing has had his moments where he died yep. or he was replaced in the Fantastic Four by She-Hulk or we he became a millionaire. Like the Fantastic Four. I mean, and for the most part, like Reed's never really changed that much. Sue's never, yeah. I mean, aside from a couple bad costumes. Until recently, I would have probably said somebody like Cyclops is a safe bet because he's been the same character. Yeah, the Phoenix Force far goes side of crazy him and, yeah. and becomes the new Magneto. <laughs> and now he wears an X face. And now he wears an X face. So Matt and I talked about it briefly off mic, and I think we settled on a good answer. 
I think that the least changed hero, the the comic book hero that's gone through the least amount of upheavals at Marvel anyway. We'll we'll discuss DC in a second. Is Daredevil? I think so too. I think so too because we've never seen Daredevil's never been replaced. He's never died. He's never developed any new powers. He changed his costume very briefly. Yeah. In the 90s. He wore a dumb sort of armor thing for a little bit. Great story, though. Fall from Grace. That was good. Yeah. But all of the major changes in Daredevil happened to characters around him, really, like Elektra dying or right. Bullseye dying or coming back or it's the all Kingpin getting exiled. Personal changes. And while his his life has certainly been a roller coaster, it's all just story stuff. Yeah. Like, he go he goes to prison or uh he's being accused of well yeah that's why he went to prison right yeah uh, he moved to San Francisco the, right or he's super depressed all the time and then he pretends to be happy like yeah. these are not what i would necessarily consider crazy changes right. like you know superman turning blue this is just they you put your character through the ringer that's what you do yeah this is just like personal stuff and he has used his powers differently and more creatively to do some other stuff, but he's never developed a new power. He's never like all of a sudden, oh, yeah. Daredevil can read minds now. I mean, I like, don't know that he's ever. I don't think they've ever done a story where he's died and come back from the dead. No, I don't believe so. Unless I'm really blanking on something major that we're forgetting. I I, mean, I think Daredevil has been the one of the most stable, yeah, a list comic book characters. I've been reading Daredevil since I was like ten, and I don't remember ever remember a death or anything like that now like you could certainly pick somebody obscure that doesn't get a lot of page time like uh maggot all right but lost his powers on m day uh right does that mean the maggots died i don't know no i don't think maggot <laughs> lost his powers on m day i think maggot was killed in the pages of weapon x uh, when the director of the Weapon X program built a concentration camp and put him in it okay well we're not this <laughs> can cut anyway in, let's go to dc Let's go to DC because this one pretty hard. At this one, DC, it this one's really a difficult. Whole different question. Like even Batman has gone through a ton of changes. He's died, sort of. He's come back from the dead, kind of. <laughs> he's, he's been replaced. He's had his costume changed a yeah, bunch of times. His brain was possessed by an alien, maybe. <laughs> Superman obviously is the poster child for this sort of gimmicky Split stuff. Into two. He was red and blue. He just developed a new power this year that might be gone after I don't know. Convergence ends or whatever. I don't know. I honestly don't know if I can think of a major. Has Wonder Woman ever developed a new power? Wonder Woman has died and come back from the dead. She's been replaced. Like she's yeah, gone through all this stuff that's too. True. So uh, Hawkman is obviously oh, out. God. Um. Firestorm, get out of here! No way. <laughs> the Flash. Yeah. Um, is there anybody that's safe at DC? I mean, like even Dick I'm, Grayson has. Like, I guess Martian Manhunter, though he's died and come back. Yeah, I mean Dick Grayson has never died. Dick Grayson has never developed any new powers. He, you could, I mean, like he became a spy recently and stuff he like did, that. He did serve as Batman for two years. He did put on the Bat costume, but I mean, he was he was still Bat Dick or whatever, you know. Which that's one of my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Lord Stephen Fino calls them dick bats. Yeah, dick bats. Ah, God. This one's super hard at DC. I almost have to just go, no one's safe. Nobody's safe at DC. Yeah, it's true. I'm sure you can find somebody like, oh, I don't know. The Golden Age Adam, right? You know, you can pick somebody out of history sure. who, who just lived a relatively tame life until he was killed off. But, like, iconic characters, most of them have, especially at DC, most of them have been put through the ringer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, like, I'm running through the roster of the Justice League in my head. Even Martian Manhunter pretended to be a different guy for a couple of years. Right. <laughs> yeah. The, I'm sticking with Daredevil as as like the number one A-list character that has remained relatively unchanged. I don't think there is one at DC. If there is, lay it on us, guys. Go to the forums. This is still running. Someone just posted on here the other day, least changed hero. Right. That's what brought it Ask back. That's what brought it back into our attention. 
Um, somebody mentions Thor. Obviously, that's changed since then. It lost an arm, lost its powers. All kinds of stuff there. Uh, the Amazing Spider-Brad was the first one to say that you'd probably have to pick like a B-lister like Jubilee. <laughs> but yeah. Jubilee became a vampire. Gambit or Rogue. Yeah, Jubilee's a vampire now. Gambit became a horseman of apocalypse. <laughs> Maharjan mentions Punisher, but the Punisher died. Punisher died and became an angel, became an angel and, and then got better. Also became Frankenstein for a while. <laughs> Don't forget that. <laughs> This is a fun question, and it's going to be... I'm going to keep thinking about it when this is over, because I honestly Ooh, am... Oh, Willie Toot says Kazar. Kazar's yeah, a good answer. Kazar's a pretty good answer. Yeah, he hasn't changed much. He's still just sort of uh, Tarzan. Brian Dominkos says uh, Nightwing as well. And so I don't think we're going to find anybody that's never gone through a change. So the trick is picking somebody that's gone through the least upheaval. Yeah. And Dick Grayson's probably one of them. Gotta be. I mean, he's never been like paralyzed or anything. He's never suddenly been gifted with powers. I mean, he's just always kind of been martial arts guy. And even when he was Batman, he was still Dick. He was Dick Grayson. Yeah. You know, he felt he felt like the same character. I think I'm going to go with that answer. I think I'm going with Dick. Yeah, I heard that about you, too. That's my answer. Yeah. And we're going to go Dick Grayson, DC. Yeah. Daredevil at Marvel. Both kind of similar characters too. martial arts guys. Good. Looking. Yeah. You know, it's kind of street level. Yeah. Street level guys. Huh. Both blind. Both blind. Attorneys. <laughs> Both lawyers. <laughs> trained by Batman. Both were raised by circus performers. <laughs> That's a fun question. I'm sorry it took us over a year to get to it. Yeah, it was a great question. So long that I don't think Brian DuPont listens to the show anymore. I think he died, actually. I think Brian DuPont has moved on. He's gone to a better place. Brian, thank you for your question. We hope you're still alive. I hope you're around to hear it. <laughs> You still owe money to Joe, to Joe Patrick for those variants for Pecos Bill. Oh, no. I was paid in the form of sweet Pecos Bill swag. Oh, see, but as your manager, I worked out a separate deal unbeknownst to you. I was just I was doing you a favor, kid. All right. I didn't sign any papers. I only take 28% off the top. That is reasonable. Okay. So. 28%? <laughs> what are you, the government? If you have an Ask a Nerd question for us, go to the THN forums. Post it there. Send us an email to it at nerd at gmail.com. Or, hey, even better, record an MP3 and you will get played on the show. Or call us. At the or call us 402-819-4894. Leave us a message. We so many different do. so many different ways. Oh, yeah. Sort of break it, break it down like down, this. Down, down, down. And that is it for another pulse-pounding episode of THN. If you'd like this show to switch formats to an all-ludicrous news, we'd call it the Ludicast. You can subscribe to this show on iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn, where we still need your star ratings, your reviews, your thumbs up, and your little hearts, because it helps us to connect with other potential listeners. Thank you to our latest donors, the two mics, Michael Severe and Mike Tisserand. Those guys. And if you want to keep us in good standing with the Vin Diesel fan club, those guys do everything together. You can, I know, <laughs> you can do so by clicking our bald and beautiful PayPal button at twoheadednerd.com. And if you want to become a sustaining member, it's as easy as clicking the Make This Donation Monthly box. And as little as a dollar a month really does help. If you're interested in sponsoring this recklessly driven podcast, shoot us an email with the subject line, Sponsorship. Fun fact about Michael Severe's donation. He tweeted at me uh, saying he demands that the answer of the week return to a one-hour format. He needs it. <laughs> and I said, as soon as the Omaha World Herald starts underwriting the show, Whoa. it can be as long as he wants. There we go. And then he immediately sent us some money. <laughs> <laughs> While you are at our site, you can find links to all of our contact info via Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Tumblr, where we post the outtake of the week. It's always hilarious. Skype. And the Ziggurat Hotline, 402-819-4894. Follow us, watch us, talk to us, threaten us. Use any of these social medias to ask us or use any of these social medias to ask us to review your self-published comic, be it printed, digital, burnt into the pavement by your muscle car's tires, whatever. And don't forget to sign up for the THN forums. This is your little virtual piece of the Ziggurat where you can discuss this week's show. You can 
can learn more about all of our segments and how you can be a part of them. You can challenge us to an illegal street race, or you can just rap about comics. Speaking of the forums, Black Scorpion the Three is apparently resurrecting year old threads. <laughs> inspiring the asking her question. I appreciate his work. He, he works hard. I like it. Hebrews laid it on us. Kevin Ty Walker, two separate people, not related. But Jim, defender of the cause, answered perhaps best. We ran into this little similar last name conundrum on the most recent Answered Week podcast. I realized that Walker is in the most uncommon last name, but is there any connection between these two creators? Lay it on us! And Jim said, no. <laughs> That's Jim Stafford, your nerd TV writer. <laughs> Apparently, Hebrew says it's just good synergy with Hopeless. That's good. I like to think that Dennis Hopeless was like, look, yeah, I need some guys. But gotta have the same last name. All right? Hopeless that synergy. That or I walk. <laughs> Hopeless synergy. If you dig the music you hear on the show, you can follow our soundtrack playlist on Spotify by searching for Matt's Spotify profile. That's under Matt Bomb. Remember to follow Twitter Nerd on Twitter, like our Facebook page, and watch the forums if you want to get in on the question of the week discussion. And then be sure to tune in to hear your answers on the Answer of the Week podcast every week. But if you need more THN in your life now, get over to TwitterNerd.com and check out not much of anything, really. And I apologize for that. <laughs> I've been very busy going through some life upheavals. I have not been doing a lot of posting on the website the love slaves, though, they're, they're hard dedicated. At they're hard at work. And I've got a lot of stuff ready to go up. I was surprised how many of you freaks wanted to replace the TDW in the sex kennel. That was crazy. Like, all of a sudden, <laughs> they came out of the woodwork. Abuse me. Abuse me. Like, oh, I'm already abusing so many. Next week, the comic pushers are back, bouncing on 24s and slinging highly addictive comics to the youth of the comic ghetto. Before we go, our weekly shout out goes to John. Bo, Weed, and the entire Burnt Wieners crew. The fourth one. Who returned with an all-new episode this week after a year-long sabbatical. And that makes it sound better than they just didn't feel like f***ing recording anything. Right. Head over to BurntWieners.com and check it out. Welcome back, boys. Sidebar shout-out goes to Tyler Macaroni and Demetrius Goldberg Jr., both guys that I work with that do not read comics, listen to the show, and make fun of me every week. Until next time! True Believers! Remember to pre-order your comics because your retailer might take you for a ride in their pimped-out spider buggy. This is the Two-Headed Nerd, signing off.